We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Welcome to the show, Ivy Nation Sports Talk, and it is Rapid Fire Friday. I think that's close to a name suggestion that I just saw in the chat. We've still got guys throwing out name suggestions. I can't remember if it was your show or the show that I was doing with Jesse Vince. People were, uh, I think Anthony was asking about... He wants to know if we've settled on an and we just we we haven't come to a consensus on anything that we've seen. So we haven't. it's just it's just kind of the way it goes right now. Rapid fire Friday. It's kind of not terrible. I'm just yeah. saying. I mean, it's pretty simple. It's to the point. <laughs> but it explains exactly what we're doing. That's I mean, right. Sometimes it is that simple. That's I think right. it's between that and just simply fight Friday fire for me. The fire, the fire is kind of catchy. Um, it's it's got a little ring to it. Yeah, you've got to got to play around with it, and ultimately, whatever is decided on has to be approved by the guy above us. So, <laughs> yes, that is true. That <laughs> he's is he's not in this room right now. No, so, but Jesse Styers is, Vince D'Addario is, and Sean Styers as well. I've got see the sweatshirt that i've got on here old school i don't know i was i saw that earlier and i was like i don't know if i've ever seen you wear that this is it's a four horseman notre dame sweatshirt and 1991 my wife and i met and it was the fall of 91 so our first christmas was you know december of 91 this is the first christmas present really that i got from my wife Mm. yeah and it's still it's it was kind of like it kind of got lost in the shuffle, you know, and was like kind of packed away for a while. So it's still got a lot of uh, buoyancy, I guess, <laughs> to it. It's still holding out <laughs> pretty well. It's not worn out or anything. So this is Christmas present number one. What is this? Thirty-one years later, I've still got it. Nice, so, that's impressive. Yeah, I got this, and my buddy at the time, who was uh, one of my first college roommates, um. He got a gray version of this. I'm going to guess he probably still doesn't have his, but I think we, you need to got, ask him. I got the blue edition. He got the gray edition. I'm just saying. Yes. Well, glad to have you with us. We've got a ton to get to today <sighs> besides wardrobes and everything else. There is a lot, a lot going on. Of course, we had the Sam Hartman news yesterday. We've got more yeah. double duty news today. 
hit the like button if you would as you're popping in today. We do appreciate it. Subscribe, rate, and review on your podcast platforms. Let's just jump right into it. Let's 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 get another Sam Hartman question. Why not out of our system? Why not? Do you buy or sell Sam Hartman, the Wake Forest transfer, as the biggest recruit of the Marcus Freeman era? Well, I'll tell you what, I never really thought of it this way, but he is a recruit. I mean, they had to recruit him to come to Notre Dame. And he is by far the biggest from an instant impact situation, which, you know, all of his other recruits are not really instant impact guys. You could say Ben Morrison, I suppose. You could, you know, there, there's some guys of that ilk, but a lot of the guys that he's already recruited, they're not going to have an impact, you know, like Sam Hartman will have if he's named the starter they're not going to have that impact right away. So as of right now on January 6th, as we see it, yes, absolutely. It's the biggest recruit in the Marcus Freeman era. There's no doubt about it. Now, if we have revisionist history three years down the road and we look back, <laughs> maybe there's a freshman on campus that has sure. a bigger impact. But change. As of right now, I mean, okay, for example, let's say Kenny Minchie goes out and wins a national championship and Sam Hartman doesn't. Right. Then we change our response, right? Sure. But as of right now, it's absolutely Sam Hartman. I so I like a lot of what Vince was saying there. This is, I think that you could say that this is Marcus Truman's most proven uh, recruit, and I, I would say that he's going to have the quickest impact type re recruit. Exactly what Vince was saying. Uh, but for me, I look at it as kind of overall talent. For me, it's got to come down to like someone like Jalen Sneed, uh, and, and you know the high profile that he was being. You know a five-star his composite was like a, a, a 98 um and then to me another big one that they just got this year was drake bowen i like both of those guys as being big time recruits so it's hard to say because you know one the, you only get one year with hartman and he's proven and you know you know he's going to be impactful right away but we're talking long term and i know that you know none of them have shown anything yet but to me i still like jalen sneed as his biggest recruit because you know hartman hartman wasn't he didn't Freeman didn't have to jockey with as many people to get Hartman as he did with Snead. Snead had interest from a lot of people. I know Hartman had a lot of interest. Oh, Hartman had a lot of interest. But Hartman also had a lot, only had a few interests in where he actually wanted to go. So I think that list got narrowed down. So I'm going to stick with Jalen Snead in this situation. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. He might only have interest in where he has to go, but I mean, you can say that of any recruit, really. You know, it's like Drake Bowen, for example, 
Yeah. He had interest from every school in the country, but he was never not going to Notre Dame. Right. Right. Exactly. And because of the experience that he has, because of the track record that he has, like we're still waiting on Jalen Sneed. We're waiting on anyone, you know, we're waiting on anyone who is a freshman this year. There was no impact from the freshman class overall. We're, we're obviously going to be waiting on the incoming 2023 freshman class. So you're right. Like one of these guys may ultimately end up being more, but at least for right now, and for something that we talked about yesterday, getting a guy like Hartman and you're still out there in the transfer portal trying to attract other transfers to come in, not only this year, but in the future as well. And getting a guy like this, I think, opens some eyes for some other people. It's like, well, okay, Notre Dame, you know, they were in the Gator Bowl, whatever. They were in the Fiesta Bowl last year. Okay, what, you know, what have you done for me lately kind of thing? Are they a legitimate contender? And I think that he can he can make Notre Dame at least outwardly look a lot more legitimate, you know, as a contender to a lot of these guys that are still trying to get in. You know, like a defensive lineman who might be out there on the fence, you know, with, with whatever programs that he's talking to, you know, like, okay, I can go to Kentucky or I can go to Notre Dame. Kentucky, sorry, you're not going to compete for a national championship. I think Notre Dame's going to have a lot better chance to compete for a national championship. That can be attractive. So I think just from that aspect, that can help. And I saw this as well. I mean, just as far as what it's going to mean you know, on the field, this is this is a crazy stat that I saw last night. Notre Dame quarterbacks completed just 45 passes of 20-plus yards over the last two seasons. 45 passes of 20-plus yards over the last two seasons. Hartman had 45 in 2021 alone, and the last two years, the same time, he has had 86. So he, by himself, has had almost twice what Notre Dame quarterbacks have done in terms of getting the ball downfield. And again, that, that opens up everything offensively for you. When you've got a quarterback who can stretch things vertically, and he's going to be like... A lot of people have saying, you know, the best since Clawson and all this different stuff. And, you know, he's going to he's going to add a different dimension that we sure. just have not seen from a quarterback in this offense. And I saw, you know, like Deshaun Kaiser there, you know, there was obviously some legit with Deshaun Kaiser. We shot it, saw it in a very short window um, and you should be able to hit Will Fuller <laughs> downfield. Right. If you can't hit Will Fuller downfield, and, you know, Brian brings this one up, Brian. Berkshire in the chat. Other guys may have four years impact. Hartman won, and that's that's completely fair. But I think at least for now, this is this is the feather in the cap because anyone else on campus right now or or incoming still has a lot to prove. Well, and they may have four years. That's fine. But in one year, if Sam Hartman goes out and wins the national championship, it's hard to disagree that the, he would have the most impact. Right. So yep. again, we as of right now. I still feel like he's the biggest recruit, but that could change. I mean, if he goes out and he gets hurt in game one, he, he's no longer an impact. Right. You know? Right. So, you know, th there's there's a lot that, you know, needs to happen. It's, you know. It's a big feather, too, just with all the, you know, pay for play and NIL sure. and everything else. Like for the naysayers in terms of, well, Notre Dame can't compete. You know, when it, when it when it comes to these, like we were talking before, does Notre Dame need to invest more in, you know, like pay for play type money in you know slash nil whatever you want to call it to bring in yeah. transfer 
students. And here we are a week later and you've got, you know, a big, a big feather in your cap like this. Right. Yep. No doubt. So Justin Adamanola, of course, announced today that he's declaring for the NFL draft rather than return to Notre Dame for a sixth year of eligibility. So here's my question. Jess, we'll start with you on this one. Which would you have preferred Adam Alola to do? Stay at Notre Dame, transfer somewhere else, or do what he did and head to the NFL? You know, there's obviously a big concern for Notre Dame right now is their depth at defensive line. Um, but ultimately, at the end of the day, I, I I think the best thing that I would want from Justin is to do what's best for him. Is 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 coming back to Notre Dame for a sixth year going to help out his draft, or did he feel – that, you know, leaving now and foregoing that sixth season is his best uh, best option to get drafted. So ultimately, to me, I just whatever it was that was going to be, you know, the best for him, I think is the best thing going forward. And now that he's gone, you can kind of see to me, it's exciting because now we get to see a full flush of Marcus Freeman guys. Right. Like we're kind of hanging on to the leftovers of, you know, the BK era and his players and recruits. And what I'm excited to see is when those guys are completely flushed out. And I'm not saying that those guys are bad by any means. But I want to see a full-on Marcus Freeman team and what that looks like. So I guess that's that's where I would go with this one. Well, look, I, I'll be selfish, and I'll say that I would have hoped that he would have stayed at Notre Dame. I mean, he is, you know, one of the veterans that are in – that he would have been the veteran in that room, obviously coming back for a sixth year. <laughs> you know, and, and, and again, he's going to be 24 years old. You know, there's a shelf life, obviously, for for guys in the NFL right? 30 years old is considered ancient. Okay. So I realize that every year he stays on campus is another year that he doesn't have, you know, to play in the NFL. Of course, I would have rather he stayed at Notre Dame because that gives them more depth on the defensive line. But at the same time, Notre Dame must be pretty happy with who they have in the Viper position yes. At, yes. The, at depth because they're not looking to get anybody in the transfer portal at Viper. So whether Justin was going to stay or wh whether he was going to go, they have no interest in Vipers. So they must be pretty happy with the depth chart, whether that's, you know, Batelho, Burnham, Tui Alamaka, you know, whatever the case may be, they must be pretty happy with that depth chart. So either they know something that we don't know, or they're counting on uh, Batelho to be the guy that he was in the Gator Bowl consistently. Yes. Right. So, you know, if they're confident, they know a lot more football than I do. I'll give them the benefit of the doubt. It, it sounds to me, after all the information that we've kind of gotten, you know, both sides were okay with this being the situation. So, kind of time to move on for so everybody. I'm okay. yeah. yeah. So, if they're okay with it, then I'm okay with it. I also see it from a a family standpoint, from Justin's you know viewpoint. He came in with his brother. He's going to leave with his brother. You know, I get that too. You know what I mean? So. You know, there, there's a lot going on here, but if both sides are cool with it, then I have no choice but to be cool with it. Right. Yeah, Batello plays how he did. It's like yeah, that's something to be so excited about. You know, he's he's got a big role that he can step into. It's still, and I don't want to be negative about it, but that's still a big if with him because the, the, the guy, we've been waiting a long time <laughs> to see that. Now, there have been depth chart as well because you've had Isaiah Foskey as well as Justin Adamalola in front of him. And there are only snow, so many snaps to go along. But a guy like him and the, and the kind of athlete and, and physical specimen that he is, you know, like if his act was cleaned up, there are other spots he can drop in on that line sure. and make some contributions. Um, 
but you're right. They, you know, they moved Tui Alamaka over there, and they've kind of been experimenting with that in practice. We didn't get to see that necessarily in the bowl game, but we definitely got to see Botello. Oh, he, so he made an impact in the bowl game at that position. He he rushed Rattler on multiple occasions and flushed him out of the pocket. Tui so, Alamaka did. Yeah, yeah. He he played okay. a decent chunk. Sure. I must not have been looking for 44. And why would you be? I mean, I was, <laughs> well, I was looking more at 17 and seeing what he was doing. Yeah. You know, yeah. He oh, was lining sure. up over there. Well, there you go. I mean, so they, you know, so they, they, they both were able to do it. I think the biggest question there, there's talent there. I think the biggest question for this position now, and this is something that we talked about earlier in the week is the development of this right. position is Al Washington going to be able yeah. to develop these guys and get the best out of them because there's you know there's there's a lot there but we obviously th- this is this is the biggest part now and this is the biggest question maybe that that Marcus Freeman still has right now is who is he as a developer you know as a program and you know player developer in, in terms of consistency in your program because lover hate Brian Kelly that was still his strength you know, like they developed guys. You you plugged one in to another, and and you and just most positions. marched forward. Yeah, yeah, and across the board, positions. not just a defensive line, obviously. Right. But this this is the biggest question mark. You know, this position group is the biggest question mark, which is which is I think why we'd all would have loved to have seen seen uh, Justin Adamalola come back. But there's definitely talent there. It's a matter of can Al Washington get the best out of him now. And that's a huge question mark right now. I mean, yeah. if we're, well, if we're, I mean, it just is. It's a huge well, question mark. Look, look at the other side with Alex Ehrenberg, Ehrenberger, Ehrensberger. There's an S in the middle there. Uh, you know, like we were starting to see a little bit of flash, you know, a raw product out of Germany. We were seeing some stuff from him last year, but we saw nothing of this guy this year. And this is kind of what I was talking about when, you know, like, Last year, you know, just the fact that Al Washington comes in and a guy like Ehrensberger disappears, you know, so like he's still there. He's still got a scholarship and he's still potentially someone who can make an impact. Can he be developed into a contributor? You know, oh, you can, there are a you lot can, of questions. You could take a number of guys and just insert into that blank, right? That. Oh, they were rising, and then we didn't really hear anything about them this year. And I think that's part of the reason that we all look at defensive line as a a position group that didn't ascend the way everybody kind of thought that they would this year, right? right? And I think that's legitimate. I think that's a legitimate beef. And at the end of the day, that comes down on the on the coach of the of that position group. And yeah. Al Washington needs to step up this year, both on the field and off in recruiting. No doubt about it. Jason says 44 never make pl- makes plays. Of course, that's Tui Alamaka. 10 is the play, whatever. And, I mean, one, they play two different positions. And, two, Correct. like you're thinking of Tui Alamaka, I would assume, as a linebacker. They moved him, you know, right to defensive end, and he's going to – it's it's a completely different position yes. where he's going to have a chance. And neither one of them played before the Gator Bowl. I mean, let's be honest. So – their first significant playing time for either one of them was in the Gator Bowl. And they both played well at times and they both made mistakes at times. I mean, we got a we got a front row seat to Marcus Freeman yelling at Prince Collie, uh, you know, at one point. So yeah, I mean, come on. Let, let's 
let's relax on the he never makes plays nonsense. Yeah. A true freshman. Right. And that's true. Exactly. He's, he's he's that's to be on the field and be in some sort of rotation as a true freshman. That's that's a pretty big accomplishment. Good solid point, Jess. No doubt about that. Because Prince Kylie, last time I checked, is a sophomore. So Correct. and they don't even play the same position as Sean said. So that's right. that's right. a little tough for me. Yeah, but you don't you don't have to be fast to play defensive end. And you he's not he's not slow. <laughs> what are you watching? He is not slow. Go ahead, put the Gator Bowl tape back in. And please watch him rush around the edge and force Spencer Rattler to leave the pocket. And you tell me how slow he is. Come on, man. Just stop. You're embarrassing yourself. There's, you know, like, again, if you're talking about linebacker lateral quickness and stuff like that, that's a difference between straight line speed burst getting off the edge like you're talking about getting to the quarterback. And here's the other thing. Junior Tualamaka is a perfect Mike linebacker. Okay. And if... They didn't have issues at Viper from a depth standpoint. He'd be a starting Mike linebacker as soon as J.D. Bertrand walks out the door. He is really good and fast, Jason. So I don't know where you get your (laughs) – he's slow. Let's just leave this whole – Come on, dude. Tui Alamaka speed thing behind. This is is getting into ridiculous. We're down a rabbit hole. I don't don't think that word means what you think it means, Jason. So (laughs) – All right, former Oklahoma State safety Thomas Harper also announced today that he's transferring to Notre Dame. Scale of 1 to 10, how much does the move uh, move the needle for you? Go ahead, Jess. I'll let you take this one first. (laughs) Um, To me, it moves the needle in the the positive direction, right? Because anytime you can add depth at a position that, 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 you know, that I'm trying to put this into words without overcomplicating it. As long as you move the needle, it's never a bad thing. Is it pushing it all the way to the edge? No. But when you're adding a, a veteran and a guy who's played in another Power Five conference has played against, you know, the Big 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 Twelve is heavy passing. So this is a guy that has a lot of experience in the secondary, and so it moves the needle. But it's not like you know pushing all the way to. I'm not going 100 miles per hour. Well, that's I'm why it's a like, scale of one to ten. I'm going like 60 <laughs> or 70 miles per hour. So I'll put okay. it at like a six or seven is where it yeah. moves. The needle for me because again it, there's something to be said about veteran presence guys who have played in big games and especially in the big 12 where it's a pass heavy you know conference in my opinion yeah I, by the way there's a couple questions that i saw in the chat we'll get to here in just a second but go ahead and answer this one first Vince. okay you got it so scale of one to ten it's like it's a solid seven for me brian and i talked about it a lot on the previous show with because he committed while we were on the air he look he's a four-year starter He's played for four years at Oklahoma State. So this is literally his COVID year. So he'll be a five-year player at this point. So yes, according, I, I agree with Jesse. He brings in experience. He he brings in a ton of starts. He never started for less than seven games in a season already. So, I mean, he's got a ton of starts under his belt. I think, and I agree with Brian on this one, he could be a huge addition to this secondary as the nickel. I, I was just going to say, exactly. when you're a nickel and dime, yep. and you have a, a you know another solid DB on the field, third he's, and long, he's a nickel. Like that's that's his spot. Like he, I think he's, he's a nickel. Pro Football Focus had him for almost 260 snaps in the nickel right. in the as yeah. as the nickel back in you know in the right. slot this year, 125 at safety. So he's very versatile. But losing a guy like Tariq Bracy, who played as go. well as he did, this is a big for just for that reason alone to have a guy who can play the nickel like that. Is good. 
I think that's a great comparison to Tariq Bracey because, you know, we saw some injuries kind of float around the Notre Dame secondary this year when you have guys that can play multiple positions. Uh, that's what, to, you know, someone like Tariq Bracey reminds me of is he can play, you know, wherever he's told to play and he can do it at a, at a pretty exceptional level. So when you add another guy that can do that, because, you know, you're not you're not going to stay 100 percent healthy. And so just having another guy like that is is always going to be beneficial. And look, if he if he's able to start at nickel, which I think is a very good uh, possibility. Number one, he's bigger than Tariq Bracey from a physical standpoint. So he's going to be able to stick his nose in and, and, and tackle and do all the things that you need to do. He has a ton of experience at nickel. Plus, that allows you to take Mickey and move him back outside, where I think it's more of a natural position for him. Now, he could cross train and be a nickel and an outside corner, and that'd be fine. I just don't know. And I'm not saying that Mickey would be a terrible nickel. I'm not saying that. But that's not his natural position at the moment. He's never played it before, right? And so he had some issues playing nickel this year. With an entire offseason and everything else, maybe he becomes a really good nickel, and that'd be great. But I think bringing in this Harper kid and having him start at nickel allows you to have Bracey on the outside. I'm Excuse me, uh, Mickey on the outside as a rotation out there, and then you got Harper in the middle. So I, I think it just rounds out this secondary better. Well, and the other thing is for Jalen Sneed's future, him being at Rover – and being able to do what Jeremiah Wusu Koromoa did, and that stay on the field in you know the the those those nickel and dime situations, being able to play you know some of that himself, so you didn't have to sub him out. Like maybe that's not going to happen next year. And based on you know, some of the pass coverage stuff that we saw from Snead in the Gator Bowl, that seems to be something that he really needs to work on. But this gets sure. him you know, like an extra year where he can do other things and continue to sure. develop that where maybe in two years, because remember it took Owusu Koromoa a couple years to oh, get yeah. to that point as well before he finally got out there. Absolutely. I, I This does nothing but help you from a depth standpoint, from a positional standpoint. It's a great pickup by Notre Dame. Is this kid the next Kyle Hamilton? No, we're not saying that, but we're saying he's a good addition to what this team is already, and he brings a lot of talent and experience to that position. Talent, experience, versatility. Absolutely, because I mean, he could play. He could bump back to. I mean, there's always a yeah. chance that he bumps back, bumps back to safety, and starts across from Xavier Watts. And as of right now, it's still, you know, it's it's fairly thin back there with what sure. you've got numbers wise with the safety. So you bring him in, you know, unless they end up moving Clarence Lewis back there, that'll be something to kind of keep an eye on. But at least for right now, they definitely can use that. So the question about Chris Tyree, is he staying? And DC Irish 1213 was saying, you know, heard rumors and stuff like that. As far as I can tell, that's all they are is rumors yeah. right yeah. now. Everything that we've heard is Chris Tyree is not going anywhere. Have you heard anything different, Vince? Nope. At, at, at this point in the process, that's clickbait. I mean, he's not, he's not going anywhere anytime soon. I don't see that being the case. And so, no, that that's... That's not a name I've heard. I've heard other names, but I have not heard his name. So I, I think people need to be just relax on that one. Yeah. It's okay. Yeah. And then Nick wants to know, what do we do for 2024 if Tyler does transfer? And then he was talking about the fact that that uh, Buck or that uh, Minchie, you know, would be going into a season with no experience. Uh, personally, I think you'd have to essentially maybe look at the portal again to find some sort of veteran, uh, but then also, you know, plan to develop people like Minchie and Carr. Um, and, and at that point, kind of determine what your best option is. If it's starting a young Minchie, then it's starting a young Minchie. But 
you're, you're going to probably, you know, go to the portal and grab someone that has at least some sort of experience. So here, here's the, so the situation would be Tyler transfers. There's a chance that Angeli wouldn't be here either. And if that's the case, if you lose two guys to the transfer portal, you need to bring somebody in, even if it's just a body at right. that point, because you need numbers. I mean, you can't go into a season with a true sophomore and a true freshman as you're only two quarterbacks. I mean, you, you're going to need, you're going to need more than that on the roster. So at the very least, you're going to need to go. Now, if Angeli stays, you still need to go because I think ideally you have four quarterbacks on the roster, right? They got almost got into trouble this year, having only three quarterbacks on the roster. Right. And so you've got to go out and get somebody, right. Whether you go to get somebody to start or to compete with Minchie, or you think after a year of development, Minchie's ready to go as a sophomore, that's always a possibility. They thought Buckner was ready to go this year without having right. to go get somebody. So, right. I mean, it's always a possibility. And that's, I've said before, experience can be overrated. Is experience helpful? Of course it is. Like yeah, no the doubt. fact that you're, you know, like the fact that you're bringing in Hartman, the main reason you're doing it is because of the four plus years of experience that he has. But there are plenty of other guys. I've talked about this before. You know, like for 2024, for example, Minchie will have been here for a year. So if there is no Tyler Buckner, you know, like I, I always go back to Jameis Winston and Johnny Manziel were redshirt freshmen when they won Heisman trophies in back-to-back -back years. You know, so where did they get their experience? They got it on the practice field. It's a matter of of how quickly he's able to pick things up and assimilate. Does he, you know, what's again, it comes down to development. What's the development look like for him behind the scenes, you know, in in lieu of actual reps that he's getting out there on the field. So just because he doesn't have experience, you know, and like none of these guys have experience until they get the experience, right? Like CJ Stroud last season, not this past season, but 2021, he started off a little bit slowly for Ohio State because he didn't have any experience either. And then again, yeah. he came in, he ends up being a Heisman finalist this year. And he obviously he had a really good year last year as well. So it's a it's 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 basically about how quickly they can pick it up and and show they can do the job. And again, like the higher end guys that you get, you expect that they're going to be able to hit the field sooner, but they still have to right. prove they can do it in practice. Absolutely. And there's some other quarterback questions in here. Uh, Salty Virginia Peanuts says Buckner could transfer out, play in 23, then transfer back in 24. <laughs> I don't think you can do that. I'm pretty sure you get the one-time transfer and then you have to sit out unless it's a grad transfer. So there's a whole other ball of wax there but you can't just flop around and that I mean I, I guess Keaton Slovis and uh, the other USC quarterback have proven that you can do that to a degree but uh, that's not something I would count on um, and then the other one would be from Garen he says a spring and a fall camp quarterback will never know the offense as well as a homegrown quarterback that spent three or four years in the system to a degree I agree with you but at the same time Sam Hartman is going to be 23 years old. He's been a four-year starter. He's a Wake smart Forest. guy. He's a very intelligent young man. The offense that he is going to run, you can learn it in that amount of time. You're talking eight months for him to learn an offense. Two camps. That can absolutely be done. And because of the experience that he has, he has a huge leg up on anybody on the roster in terms of his ability to read a defense, you know, just going through progressions. That's right. That's a huge advantage just in itself 
right, right there. Figuring out the offense, you know, I, I, I think, I, I think that that's the least of his problems. Yeah. There's a I lot of concepts that, are the same. I was just going to say, I feel like there's more similarities than not when it comes to offenses. It's just a little, you know, intricacies that different, you know, different offensive coordinators want to run, but you can only run so many routes and, you know, the concepts are there. So to me, there's more similarities than there are dissimilarities. Right. And and the main reason he's coming to Notre Dame is because they don't run the slow mesh. They run more of a pro style. So let's say, let's say he got drafted. And he goes to rookie mini camp, and then he goes into fall camp. Same amount of time to learn the offense there, and there's plenty of first-year guys that play in the NFL, and it's a heck of a lot more complicated to do that. How about some of these guys that are picked up off of waivers the same week and then still go out and play in the game that week? You know? I mean, again, it can be done. It'll be fine. I'm not at all worried about that at all. Yeah. You know, and again, you know, like, all you have to do is look at last year and Jack Cohn. I mean – like right. the system he came from to the system he, that he played in at Notre Dame last year, there was, there was a big difference, but Jack Cohn had some experience and he was a smart guy and he was able to figure things out. Right. And it worked out pretty well. And again, Jack Cohn has less than half the experience than Sam. Oh, yeah. Has. I mean, way talent. yeah, that, yeah. well, yeah. there's that too. And DC Irish was talking about degrees being finished and all of it. Pine was not finished with his degree when he left. So right. I think that, he was just short. I think he, was, he needed another probably semester needed to, get to the end of this year. Yeah. yeah. I believe he needed another semester. So he was not, I believe finished with his degree. So there is that difference. And the last one, before we move on, Sean, I kind of hijacked the show. I apologize, but that's okay. Uh, Nick Lane says Buckner or Angeli, who has the highest chance to leave Angeli this year. Explain. Explain? Yeah. Uh, I, I think that... Just Tyler, say one word? It's a talk <laughs> show. Come on! No, I, I think that, you know, Angeli... Angeli's behind Buckner, um, and assuming that Hartman starts, that puts him at third string again. Uh, I don't think Buckner just packs it up and leaves. I think he's he's sort of a gamer. Uh, I think he likes the situation he's at at Notre Dame. I think he enjoys being at Notre Dame. Um, and if I think that, you know, well, Salty made it, put it kind of clear in what I think. If you can't beat him out for the starting job then you need that another year of a de- you know development because Sam Hartman is an experienced quarterback. This is what an experienced quarterback looks like. So if you lose the starting position to an experienced guy, that just tells me, okay, I'm just not ready yet. And I can learn from this guy that has experience. And then, you know, I, I get my, my crack at it the following year after that. So if, if Hartman was here for two years, I would say it's a different story, but because he's here for one year, I think that there's a high chance that Buckner learns from, you know, the, the things that Hartman can teach him and then comes back the following season as an even better quarterback than anything that we've seen so far. I couldn't have said it better myself. I agree completely. Uh, if I had to pick one, Steve Angeli is going to be buried on the depth chart for the next two years easy. And if that's the case and he wants to go play someplace, then yeah, man, cut bait and go. Now, if I'm also Steve Angeli, I'm sticking around until I get my degree and then I'm going with three years of eligibility left too. Right. Right. And that's, you know, unfortunately, he's kind of getting caught in a numbers game, right? Yes, now, absolutely. With, absolutely. Especially if Buckner does stay. And, but even if he doesn't, you know, like if, if Buckner were to leave and Angeli would stay, then going into Angeli's junior year, it's most likely between him and Minchie for the job. And you essentially have the same situation you had this year with Buckner and Drew Pine. And then, you know, potentially best case for him is, you know, like he ends up 
you know, in, in some kind of scenario where he gets on the field. That's assuming Minchie does what he was supposed, you know, everyone expects that he's going to do. So, right. you know, again, I, I just think it's a numbers thing for Angeli, and it's uh, it, it's going to be tougher for him. So I have to agree. I would think that between the two, he's got the better chance. But really, it comes down to what their mindset is and, you know, how much they want to compete for this and, and how much they're able to, you know, to pick up and actually be able to compete. Absolutely. And it's a numbers game at the end of the day because right. they over-recruited. They recruited over Steve Angeli with Minchie and with Carr. I don't think anybody's yeah. going to debate that with us. So, yeah. you know, is there a chance that he starts a game someday at Notre Dame? Sure, there's a chance. But he's going to be buried on the depth chart for the next couple of years. Matt jumping in first live show he's caught in easily five months. Usually listen exclusively on Spotify, but I wanted to say keep up the great work. Makes my work day easier and more bearable. Good to have You're you, Matt. You're welcome, Matt. Glad we appreciate it. Definitely appreciate it. Today's Lou Holtz's birthday. What do you think of? What's the first thing you think of when you think of Lou Holtz? For me, and I know this is going to sound very odd, but I think of the the magic trick that he always does with the newspaper. <laughs> like it still amazes me every time I see it. But that magic trick he does with the newspaper, where he rips it all up and then all of a sudden it's put back together again. That's what I think of when I think of Lou Holtz. The, the problem for me is I didn't cover the team when Lou Holtz was the head coach. Yeah, and so you lived here though. I, you I, were I was in high school. I was in middle school. Like. It just wasn't the top priority for me at the time. So, yes, I was there, but I didn't follow the team at all, I'll say. So, yeah, I mean, happy birthday to Coach Holtz, but uh, I just don't remember him all that well as the Notre Dame head coach. Yeah, so, you know, I this is – I wasn't even around. It could be when, even worse for this guy. Yeah, <laughs> it, I wasn't even around when Lou Holtz was uh, coaching. So, you know, for me, the, the 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 thing that I think of most is he's he's the last coach to win a national championship at Notre Dame, first and foremost. And two, this is going to be, you know, kind of odd and not a, a lot of people will really know what I'm saying here. But I have a really good friend that I grew up with, uh, lived two streets away, uh, and his dad played for Lou Holtz. And I always That's thought right. that, that was the coolest thing that his dad uh, played safety uh, for Notre Dame. He didn't get to play a whole lot because he kind of experienced some injuries here and there, but he was a very highly recruited guy out of Iowa coming out of high school. Um, and I seen a lot of memorabilia in his house. So I knew that he played for Lou Holtz. So that was pretty cool to me. He go. was part of that recruiting class. We were talking about a couple weeks ago, this 2023 recruiting class is, is according to Tom Lemming, the best since I think that was the 92 class maybe yep. that he came in on. Yeah. 91, and, 92, I believe is either. Yeah. One. And uh, yeah. And, and uh, Sadler was, was part of that so yeah that's I, I had forgotten about that little connection there for a second Lou Holtz was was still the head coach when I got this sweatshirt for Christmas <laughs> three years ago so um it's true the and the first thing I the the absolute first thing that I would typically think of is just like skinny Lou Holtz with his hands shoved down in his pockets like stalking the sidelines and that Eating that kind ass. of thing yeah that's that yeah eating the grass and hat pulled down you know on his head and all that kind of stuff but more recently, someone I used to work with flew, got on a flight here in South Bend and was sitting next to Lou Holtz on okay. the flight. And she said that, you know, they got they got in the air. Lou Holtz sat down, pulled out his little lunch box and on his lap, he unwrapped a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. <laughs> so 
So that now has that become awesome. my default. When I think of Lou Holtz, I think of that story. Lou on an airplane flying out of South Bend with a peanut butter and jelly sandwich. So that is awesome. That is so typical Lou Holtz. Happy fantastic. birthday, Lou Holtz. And I, I will also say I really enjoyed Lou Holtz versus Mark May on ESPN for as long as they did oh, it. Oh man. I yeah. enjoyed that. I really entertainment. That was that was entertainment, man. It, you know, this this generation has uh Skip and and uh what's his name? Shannon. Shannon Sharp. Forget about it, man. I I will go back to the May Holtz days all day long. It was yep. just so funny because obviously, you know, Holtz was uh you know a little homer, obviously, for apparent reasons. And Mark May was like Paul Feinbaum was they like the biggest Notre Dame hater. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was great. I loved it. They played I love the to hate Mark May. That's, That's right. That, I loved it. <laughs> and he loved playing that role. Yeah, <laughs> he loved playing that up. up. They yep. were good at it. You know, yep. they were good at it. They were. They were. <laughs> So Jim Harbaugh has gone from hot NFL candidate to in hot water at Michigan within the last couple of days and with the NCAA. <laughs> so the NCAA is now investigating Michigan for a handful of violations that include too many coaches at practice, basically using an analyst as a coach at practice, which you're not allowed to do, meeting recruits during a COVID-19 dead period and watching player workouts on a video feed. Now, those are all level two violations, not considered serious. What is considered serious, the most serious allegation, the level one violation, is basically Harbaugh misled the NCAA when they started questioning him about these level two violations. So what do you guys think about all this with Jim Harbaugh <laughs> in Michigan? Vince is deferring quite a bit to Jesse tonight. You know, I, I this first and foremost was funny to me because, you know, Michigan lost to TCU, and I went on a rant earlier this week that I thought TCU was a very favorable matchup for Michigan, and I wish that Notre Dame could have played someone like TCU compared to, you know, the Clemson and Alabama teams that they face. And I have a lot of, you know, friends from Michigan because I went to college in Michigan, and I have one friend in particular that we have an ongoing rivalry going on between Notre Dame and Michigan. We go to the games, loser buys the tickets to the next year's games. And so, you know, I, I gave him his crap because Notre Dame lost, or sorry, Michigan lost to TCU. And then when this came out today, I was just yeah. kicking a dead horse, man. I texted him immediately <laughs> and I was like, I, I think my exact words were you were cheating and you still couldn't even win or, you know, just something like that. So, you know, I, it was funny when it first came out because I, it gives me more ammunition. Right. Uh, but at the same time, I was actually kind of surprised because, you know, whether whether you like Harbaugh or not, I think of him as actually being someone of high integrity um, and the way he's coached his different programs. And so the fact that this came out, you know, obviously there's little violations here and there. But to me, the part that really struck was that he lied about being questioned about it. And so he was doubling down on his mistake. And that just seems kind of out of character for what I know of Harbaugh. Again, I Let's know. You can think what you want of him, but I still think he's a very solid coach at the end I mean, of the day. The old saying, the cover-up is worse than the crime, and that's what it is in this case. If he would have just been straightforward, he probably wouldn't be in any trouble. But as it is, you know, there's there's all kinds of trouble brewing now, and maybe it makes sense that he's talking about heading to the NFL, just like Pete Carroll when he decided to head to the NFL. Well, the funny thing is, you know, he came out with a statement yesterday where he talks to the president, he talks to the athletic director, and – you know, he's going to be coaching at Michigan next year. And with the timing of everything, they all knew that this was going to come out at that time. Right. You know, when this statement was put out, 
about him wanting to coach next year and all this stuff. And he's got their blessing. Like they knew that this, these violations were about to come out. Maybe they didn't know they were going to come out the next day, but they knew. So they must not think it's a big deal. They must not give a crap. They want to keep Jim Harbaugh around. Here's what I, I hope that the media just hammers him over and over and over and asks him a thousand questions. Like, you know what? I'm out. And he just takes off and leaves. I mean, they could end up losing some scholarships over this. And That'd be a shame. You know, they don't recruit very it, well anyway. They don't need the scholarships. <laughs> <laughs> it's just it's just like double talking Jim Harbaugh. Like Jesse, you were talking about integrity. I mean, for the most part, from everything we know, he's he's run things clean. You know, he's done some clown show type stuff, you know, climbing up in the tree and he's a little nutty. You know, you know, like sleeping over at a recruit's house and all all that. As a kick kind of too. That's, that's that's what you're really hoping. You're just mad, Vince, because Jim has never come to your house. He's not spending the night at my house. Over. I don't know what the deal is. Come on, if, Jim. If Jim Harbaugh showed up at Vince's house with a sleeping bag in hand, what would <laughs> what would oh, Vince do? You know, another interesting part. I was Whoa. I was. I was surfing Twitter today and I saw this guy that works for Maze and Blue. And he basically was just like, Oh, well, if Jim Harbaugh is getting this, then what does that mean? Dabo and Saban and I always everyone love else the gets. Deflection. I it's always like, love come on. So you're telling me you're okay with your coach cheating because supposedly right. everyone else is doing it? Of course. Yeah. Come on, man. Of course. Golden <sighs> stuff. Golden stuff. Oh, man. <laughs> I. I, I'm still going over the scenario of Jim Harbaugh being on my front <laughs> at your bag. door. Hey, uh, uh, hey, Vince. Walking down the street here, and uh, <laughs> I think I left my khakis somewhere around here. <laughs> you seen them? The only, the only good part about that would be if he's getting a possible a possible scholarship from the University of Michigan, he's getting scholarships from other people too. That's that true. Would be, that would be the only That's silver true. lining to the whole thing. He could string him out to the very yeah. end and say, "No, I'm I'm gonna I'm going Sparty." We'll do the hat thing, <laughs> you know, the whole the whole thing. Set the Michigan one on fire. That'd be That's fun. right. Nobody's done that before. That's what we're gonna do. Fill in the blank on this one. Kansas quarterback Jalen Daniels has signed an NIL deal to be a brand ambassador for Adidas, which is the brand of choice. It is the official shoe of the University of Kansas. So it's blank that Under Armour doesn't have any such deals like this with any Notre Dame players. I think that it's a missed opportunity. I really do. I mean, that this would be such an obvious thing to do if you're Under Armour. You only have so many schools that, you know, have Under Armour contracts, right? And you say, they, especially Under Armour. Yeah. If they had a bunch. If they had a ton, Notre Dame is still your biggest one. So, why 16 do you know- to be exact. Oh, thank you, Jesse. Appreciate that. Because I, I, I know Navy, Maryland. Uh, who else? Give me some other schools that have it. You got the list? Uh, Auburn, uh, okay. Coastal Carolina, Colorado State, Georgia State, Kent State, Maryland, Navy, New Mexico State, Northwestern, Notre Dame, Old Dominion, South Carolina, Texas Tech, UAB, Utah, and Wisconsin. So out of those three, I would say Notre Dame, Wisconsin, and Auburn are the three biggest. Yeah, and yeah. South Carolina is going to be up there. I mean, they're an SEC school, so I, I, I'll, I'll throw the Gamecocks a little bit of love. But by, Notre Dame by far is the biggest brand. So how do you not have somebody from the Notre Dame world 
as your brand ambassador. Like the fact that Michael Mayer didn't have right. something yes. like this this year is Who insane. would you be your brand ambassador if they were like, all right, let's do it. Who would be your brand ambassador for this upcoming season? tell you right now, I'd be calling Sam Hartman on the phone yeah. and like, hey, <laughs> let's do this. And as somebody in our previous show pointed out, he's not hard on the eyes, apparently. So why would you not want him to be your brand ambassador? He's a handsome, smoky-looking guy. But, I mean, you know, like, but it's the same. Your you know, words. like, Mayor's got the chisel jaw. And, like, when Mayor... When Mayer takes off the helmet, it looks like that hair is all ready to, you know, and again, like the fact that Michael Mayer didn't have something like this is crazy. Yeah. And and Here's somebody put in there, go to go to Jordan brand. That is the last thing that I want Notre Dame to ever do. Sorry. I do not need a basketball player on the football uniforms. So uh -oh. stupid. Well, Uh-oh. I think that I think a lot of like if you if you pulled the players, I think that they would they would always say Nike. I'm sure they would. Everything else. But I would also say go Nike, don't go Jordan brand. Yeah. If I had the choice. Because I, the jump man, I don't yeah. have a huge issue with Nike. I really don't. I know a lot of people have an issue with Nike. I don't have an issue with Nike. But the Jordan brand for a football team is stupid. I'm sorry. It just is. Yeah. Jess, do you have any thoughts on this before I weigh in? <clears throat> uh yeah, I, I start. Sorry, I, I forgot that I didn't even get this. I was aiding Vince's answer and didn't even Thank you. give Thank you. my answer. I, it's it's surprising to me, and I was going to go into the fact that there's only 16 Under Armour schools, and we highlighted you know who the top four are, and of the top four, I think that Notre Dame is the biggest you know well known all all around program, and so the fact that you don't have someone kind of being the face of it is just a little bit surprising to me because you could easily do someone like Michael Mayer, Isaiah Foskey, uh, this upcoming season, you could you know, do someone like Hartman um, defensively wise. I don't know who you would pick because there's no, you know, real standout stud right now. So right. That everybody knows. Right. Ben, and ben so Morrison would be the first one I guess I would go to because yeah, he, you know, know, the interceptions, he was a yeah. freshman, all American, all that stuff. But yeah, uh, it's just surprising overall because I think that it's a great idea for all of the top brands to do is to have, you know, some sort of representative and especially for Under Armour because you have a small exclusive group of only 16 schools. Yeah. And it, I realize all these contracts were made before NIL came into being just last year, but especially for a shoe company like this, it seems like an easy adjustment, oh, yeah. you know, again, and it's, and it's under armor. You're, you're bringing up the pack in this uh, Nike and Adidas, I, I would think still have, have to be out front. And the fact that under armor has so few schools, it's just a huge missed opportunity I think on their part and really for any of the corporate sponsors that Notre Dame has, this seems like a slam dunk. It's like, okay, you want to be a corporate sponsor? Well, here's part of this tier. One of your, one of the things you're going to do is there's going to be a brand ambassador and you know, like you can do it for not just football, but for the other teams as well, for, for whatever you consider your highest tiers. It's, it seems, it seems like a natural, like if you want to be a corporate sponsor of Notre Dame in an NIL world, that doing something like this, like the Coca-Cola ambassador, you know, because they're like one of the one of the corporates or, you know, whoever it happens to be, you know, like it it just seems and for Under Armour, it seems like a slam dunk. Like right. Your 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 uniform shoe provider should should be doing something like Absolutely. This. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will also say kids aren't choosing schools based on who's supplying the uniforms. That's just not really a thing anymore. Right. If if that is what a kid is choosing their school for, then they're not choosing the school for the right reason. I'm sorry. That's right. that's they're not they're not choosing, you know, I, I can't even think 
you know, Michigan over Notre Dame because they have a basketball player symbol on their stuff. Like Vincent that's, this basketball player. It's not a thing. That's just not a thing anymore. You know, because somebody said 18 year old, we're, we're recruiting 18 year olds. Go with, they want the jump man. What? No, that's not really a thing. True. I mean, they want them, but. Again, right, and I get like, that, but they're, they're not going to get a ton Notre of, Dame or Michigan right. or wherever because of the shoes. Exactly, that's, that's an afterthought. Yeah, they still get it all free, <laughs> so that's all exactly. they care about. Absolutely, <laughs> absolutely. Fill in the blank. Lincoln Riley took three questions at his Cotton Bowl postgame press conference <laughs> last week. His quarterback, Kalem Williams, took zero questions after USC lost to Tulane. Meanwhile, Michigan quarterback J.J. McCarthy took one postgame question before he got up and left his press conference after losing to TCU. And then, of course, you've got the video of Texas head coach Steve Sarkeesian going nuts on the Alamo staffer guy down on the field because he touched his chest a couple of times. All of this is blank, guys. I'm going to go with uh, – sorry, Vince. I'm still in the thunder on this one. All of this is uh, childish – and embarrassing to me because first I'll talk about sorry, or sorry Lincoln Riley, uh, Caleb Williams, and JJ McCarthy to start. Listen, I know that you're upset and you're frustrated after a loss, and especially close losses. The, you know the way both teams lost. But in my opinion, at the end of the day, if you want to sit up there and be praised when you win, you should also be responsible to sit up there and go through the questioning when you lose. No matter if it's a close game, no matter if it's a blowout, no matter if it's a national championship. If it's, you know, your first game of the season, I don't care what it is. If you sit up there and you want to take all the questions when you win, then there's no reason that you can't sit up there and take the questions when you lose. I agree with everything just said. And my solution to the whole thing, we're living in a world of NIL. Find their ass. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're making money problem. from sponsors. Players, you know, coaches, key. find them. There's a difference. Like in the NFL, you are required during yeah. the week to do, you know, whatever – Media yep. availability. You are required in the NFL to stand up there and face the media afterwards. Yeah. And if you don't, you do get fined. In yeah. college, it's a lot different. And every college, you know, has their own rules. In front of, from what I understand, USC traditionally has just been one of the worst schools to work with, you know, like since Pete Carroll left, basically. Like Pete Carroll had everything open, but since he left, every coach, you know, Sarkeesian was obviously part of that group as well. All well, these guys, embarrassing. Yeah, the USC and, brand and, has been an embarrassment since Pete Carroll left. Exactly. And like, so I think we here, you know, can take for granted some of the access that we've had. And especially like in this last year, since Marcus Freeman took over and it's been even better. Like he yeah. stood up there. We've had more players, more assistant yeah, coaches which is great. and everything else. But the fact that like, especially if you go to a bowl game, because that yeah. is the biggest game of your season no matter what, the, the fact that you can't sit there for five to 10 minutes and answer a handful of questions like an adult, especially if you're the head coach and like the Sarkeesian thing, it's like, okay, I get it. You don't want to be touched or whatever, but like going back to Harbaugh, someone actually showed a similar video of Harbaugh and you know, like a guy did the same. He kind of like touched his chest and he was like, well, you know, hold on a second coach. And Harbaugh was like, yeah, okay. You know, whatever. <laughs> but like Sarkeesian is just going nuts on these guys and it's just 
you know, it's a I sense of entitlement. I'm I'm Steve Sarkeesian. Why are you touching me? Yeah, you're just a bull. That's 100 what it is. That's 100 what it is. And guess what? If you're the quarterback for a team in the playoff or a team in a New Year's Six or whatever, I bet they did all kinds of interviews leading up to the game. Exactly. After the game's over, you sit in the hot seat, boy. Like I don't care if you're take you know, your lumps. You're a 17 to 20 year old kid. They shouldn't have to do interviews. Yeah, you should. Then you shouldn't have to get NIL money either. You know? Yeah. And that's you should. And that's 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 a good point. I was going to bring that up because of the fact that we are in an NIL world. I, I think that that you do need to make these guys sit up there and do that. You know, if because if they're basically getting paid to play now. And, you know, a lot of these schools just have blanket money, you know, like X amount of dollars for every player on their roster, you know, through their different consortiums yeah. and, and right. stuff like that. If, if you're getting a paycheck, then you've got to you've got to take what comes with it. And that yeah. means, you know, a few questions from the media, you know. Right. And especially the head coach. I mean, yeah, we can talk yeah. about the kids and that's fine. But especially the head coach, you know, you you need to show up and you need to face the fire. You lost a game. You are the head of the program. You need to answer questions. And look, the Notre Dame quarterback, whoever it happens to be, comes out after wins and losses. And not once have I ever seen a Notre Dame player walk out in the middle after a question. They wait right. until it's all said and done. I mean, it, it, it's character to me, number one. And if they're not being taught character by their program, then they're not being taught character by their parents either. Like, I would be hot if my kid did that. Hot. And then I would call another press conference. Hey, all the other questions that you want to ask this kid, ask them now because he's coming back. Like, I, I'm sorry. They're, yes, that's absolutely right, Tommy. They're not kids. They're adults. Well, but Truth the other part, I mean, you're, yeah. you're right. In age, maturity levels may vary. Absolutely. And the fact, that, the fact that they are catered to, yeah. you know, 24-7, basically. Absolutely. It, it, you're it, supposed it to be stunts, learning how to be an adult stunts, in college. That's right. It stunts some growths. You know, I, I agree with that wholeheartedly. Around enough, <laughs> I, I agree with that, and I will, I will also say that it, it you are learning to be an adult when you are in college. Is what, what isn't that the the pitch of a lot of these head coaches? I'm going to take right. care of your son, right? Well, part of taking care of my son is teaching him how to be an adult, and being an adult is sitting there and having a learning moment when you've lost. Vince, let me ask you, when you when you've, you know, you've worked for a decent amount of bosses in your day and you're not, a, you know, the 100 percent, you know, best worker every single day when you do something bad and your boss calls you in and says, hey, we need to have a talk here. You just be like, ah, not feeling it today. I think I'm going to yeah. head out on this one. <laughs> just turn around and walk out. You know, yeah, you know, yeah. I, I really don't want to talk That's to right. you about my performance. <laughs> <laughs> you're absolutely I right, Jess. I got some other things to so do. So this is that's why I'm upset with it because, like you guys said, this is a moment where these this is practice and training for when these people step into real world, assuming Correct. you know they don't play football for the rest of their life. Because you're going to go through situations like that where you have to be responsible for either your great performance or your poor performance. Right. Right. Absolutely. And that, yeah, hundred percent. Okay, so I'm going to ask this last question, and I know I I can tell you what ninety percent of the responses. Are going to be if not more before i even say it but I've, I've i've got some news i'm gonna throw you know i'll let you guys kind of respond and i I've, i did some research oh. on this so and i realize i'm burying the lead here fill in the blank it's blank sofi stadium is not going to allow tailgating for the national championship game a non-story i don't it doesn't <laughs> matter to me in any way i don't care 
It's a tragic I, mistake, in my opinion. If you want to host another national championship or large event that involves, you know, the, the use of your stadium, I feel like tailgating is it's America's pastime when it comes to football. You should uh, allow, you know, you should allow for some sort of tailgating, uh, in my opinion. It sounds like someone already said that's not true. So I'm I'm curious to see uh, what this breaking news that you have is. Yeah, and that's back up. <laughs> they say that for every natty. This is where the story has got buried this week because I, I found someone who actually, you know, did the time to do the reporting on this. <laughs> this is actually not SoFi Stadium. It's not California. It's not Los Angeles that is banning the tailgating. It is the college football playoff itself. Apparently, they have not allowed tailgate they didn't allow it in indianapolis last year they haven't allowed it in miami the year before that new orleans the year before that so they've got their fan experience and doing all this different stuff ah, there it but, is but they're not allowing yeah. this that's exactly <laughs> it they want you to buy their stuff and go through them so that they can make all the money we encourage people to come out early and enjoy all the activities mm-hmm. but for us to operate the parking operations efficiently on game day we are not able to allow fans to set up tents and grills and drive in the aisles or adjacent parking spaces blah 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 it's this college football college football and tailgating go hand in hand and to play the biggest game of the season in college football and to not allow tailgating and the college football playoff itself banning the tailgating is just insane and it's going to be impossible to enforce. I mean, what are they going to do? I, There's you know, too many tailgaters compared to enforcers. Right. Completely yeah. agree with that. And I, I suppose if you don't have your tent and you're just sitting out there in your lawn chair and you do have your coolers or whatever, that's one thing. So you can tailgate, just don't make it look like a tailgate. Yeah, just don't make it obvious. <laughs> right? I mean, if you're going to get toasted, you're going to get toasted. You're going to have a burger, you're going to have a burger, you know, whatever. I don't, again, that's why it's a non-story to me. Because if you want to tailgate, you're going to tailgate. Like, it's okay. You know, and somebody asked why the uh, national football or why the uh, the national championship game is on a Monday. Number one, it's been on a Monday for a really long time, and number two is the NFL pretty much has Saturday and Sunday locked up. Well, and if and they want anybody to watch their game, they can't have it on because on this is the Sunday. end of the regular season. There's no Monday night football, and that's what they've done. They put right. the national championship games on Mondays, right? So that it's a standalone event. You're not going up against anything else over the weekend because the NFL is going to be televising games both Saturday and Correct. Sunday. It's, and they've got the 4.30 slot, the 8.15 slot on Saturday, and then their normal slots all day Sunday. So yeah, w- whatever everybody wants to believe, the NFL still has more eyeballs than the national championship game. Way more. You do not want to compete with the NFL. And they're, they're, that's why it's on a Monday, so they don't have to compete. Yep. And that's you know part of the debate with these – what they're going to do with these playoff games and how they're going to schedule the playoff games with the multiple rounds and all that kind of stuff. They're trying to figure out ways that they can avoid the NFL. Yeah. Possible. hundred percent, hundred percent. A few different questions that I, I, I start a couple here that we can get to real quickly. Do the grad transfers have to attend classes at the places they transfer? I mean, it's like all you have to do as, as a grad transfer is enroll in, in one, one class, basically. That's all you have to do. And I mean, do you actually have to show up? Probably not, since you know the grades, you know, don't count until the end of the semester. So just you know, take your basket weaving class and 
whatever. Yeah, I mean, they're 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 graduate level classes. I mean, you have right. to be enrolled in grad. There is no you know slough classes for the most part. They're master's level classes. So yes, you have to attend. But you class. don't have to go through a whole graduate. No, um, you don't have to go through the whole course of study. You but you need all to, you have to be is in one class. You need to be accepted in. But but at least at Notre Dame, you right? Have you have to be accepted into, into program that True. master's program, and you have to take a class towards your master's. So you know, there it is. The short answer is yes. Yeah, there's only one guy in this entire chat with a master's, and uh, I'm gonna say that you went to class, right, Jeff? <laughs> I went to I a lot of say, classes. It's neither. It's neither one of the old guys. <laughs> no, it's not. <laughs> no. Um, so we, we had Jonathan and somebody else were, you know, like, oh boy, we got on a little tangent here in the the weekend. Jonathan setting the over under at three and a half for interceptions. Dak Prescott, the Cowboys first playoff game. What are y'all taking? I'm taking the over. Look, I'm not banking on the Cowboys winning a playoff game. Okay. If it happens, I'll be ecstatic. I'd like to see him win at least two, because that means that they're in the NFC championship game, but I'm not counting on anything. Fair. So, I, you know, I think it was, I think it was Tommy Guns who, you know, threw the thing at me on Twitter a month or two back about have a great regular season, get to the playoffs, lose right away. You know, yeah. that's that's what I'm used to at this point. I don't know about you, Jesse, but I'm not getting my hopes up. I'm just not even going to talk about it. You know, when the game happens, it happens, <laughs> <laughs> and that's that. That tells you everything you need to know, right? Oh, not going to talk about it. <laughs> That's right. And fine. so I saw somebody fine. else say, you know, they'll never win until they get a GM. And that's, I've, I've said before, they're not, as long as Jerry Jones owns the team, I'm not counting on them actually winning another Super Bowl. Should we find Jesse for not answering the question? <laughs> <laughs> I think we should, you know, <laughs> paid to sit here. Michael wants to know how much do you want the Giants to beat the Eagles? Oh. I don't. I don't want the. I don't want to. I would rather face Brady and the and the Bucks than uh, Aaron Rodgers and the Packers in the first round. Yeah, but if they end up being the number one seed, which they still have a chance to do, San Francisco you would get them. They, the only thing they'd benefit is playing the Packers at home, and we saw the last time Rodgers has destroyed the Cowboys at home in the playoffs. I don't. I don't want anything to do with Aaron Rodgers in the playoffs this season. Oh, Nothing. Yeah, yes, you do. No, I don't. Much, there's yes, too much history do. with all of them between Rodgers and Tom. You know, you like, would take that, you would take Rod. You want to play? You want to play Tom Brady in the playoffs over Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, that defense isn't good. They don't have a run game. Uh, the offensive line That's isn't great. Just for that answer, you better be up. You you better be up by at least two touchdowns on Tom Brady at the end of the game because that's the yeah. only time he plays. It's like the last five minutes rolls around. You know, they just stink and it looks ugly for the better part of of basically four quarters and then the last five minutes rolls around and that's when they start playing and, and win some games. <laughs> yeah, Tommy. Yeah, Brady doesn't suck. I just think that he, the Packers have more going for them right now. They have a better defense. I think offensively oh. they have a better running attack. He, you know, Brady's asked to do it all uh, in that offense right now. Yeah. Uh, Thomas, this will be our last question tonight. Do you think Harbaugh will be the Colts head coach next year? No, I think there's I'll a good no, chance, but but I, of all the NFL teams, I think that might be where he ends up, just because their owners nuts. Yeah, yeah. Supposedly, according to to heard, the Broncos were 
ponying up 20 million bucks a year. I don't know if I believe that. That's a lot for a head coach. And be a lot for anybody to turn down, even if you had to take on Russell Wilson. But I think there's a good chance he ends up being the – I think that that's a good fit, like I've said. I do too. Yeah. Just I with the too. way they're designed, they you know, like with with their quarterback situation and, and the offensive line and the running back and, and all that stuff, I think that that's the team that he could actually turn into a contender the quickest, especially in that division. So – and, of course, there's the relationship – that uh, he's got with Ursay. So, all right, guys, enjoyed it as always. I know Jesse's got to get going, so we, we so went I, a little bit longer than I thought we spend money. Would yep, that's right. All right, so uh, have a good weekend, and we will talk to you Monday. And don't forget, the national championship game is Monday, so we can talk right. a little bit about that on Monday, and we'll talk about it next Tuesday as well after the fact. We will talk to you then. Again, have a great weekend. Hit the like button on your way out. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'll talk to you at Ivy Nation Sports Talk. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.